Hi, and welcome to the Redwood Podcast. Just a quick warning before the episode, there might be some swearing. Discretion is advised. Well then, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, Hi, welcome to Redwood. I'm your host, Duke. And today we have with us again, Brock Tovar. We're going to talk about what is going on in his life now. And uh, how everything in his life has currently added up to where he is now. How it has shaped him into the man he is today. And how it drove him into the goals and career that he is doing with his life right at this moment, actually. Um, Again, I mean, we've brought up your past uh, people that have kind of helped mold you uh, with your parents, you know, like whether they were there for a short time or a long time. Uh, That, even though subconsciously, Brock, that does always stay with you, you know, the think outside the box, uh, pay attention and, you know, be mindful of your classmates and try to help them out and you know, keep them on track. I, I feel like that still applies to you today. Yeah. 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 That is absolutely translated into, you know, who I am now. Um, I do have a sense of responsibility for people around me. You know, it's one of the reasons why I, carry a gun and i you know i do all this stuff to to help people uh train with firearms and whatnot i mean you know we're jumping into a different part of my my business ventures now i'm also an engineer but um yeah this this sense of you know trying to help people right i've I've always kind of been like that and um try and keep people safe right exactly i've like i made i made a decision a long time ago that training with firearms just as an example is is going to you know i need to perfect this because if i don't do it right somebody could die absolutely that's absolutely and and for those listening uh brock tovar never actually served in the military uh however he knows a metric crap ton of people that have and our first responders and Brock has taken it uh, upon himself as a civilian to protect those around him wherever he is at in where whatever shape he form or form he can, um, which is admirable as a civilian. Yeah, um, wouldn't say that it, you know it's anything super noble, but it's just you know how can you not think like that i mean if if i have if i have the capability and the capacity to to handle something like why wouldn't i do it well i mean to take you know? it upon yourself to train extensively in firearms and uh shooting and reaction times and everything like that i think that you've already gone above and beyond as a civilian to be able to protect those around you aside from being a cop or going into the military or anything like that you you've made it your duty slash responsibility to, you know, wherever you're at, somebody may not know it, but they're safe. I'd hope so. <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly knew it hanging you know? out with you. Like I had 
uh, not even the slightest and that's hard for me you know someone that I have to see the door but when we'd go to the bar together or whatever like I felt totally safe with my back to the door with you there with me <laughs> yeah that's good I mean you know it's a big compliment so as you were saying you've got this uh, security company and I think when I last talked to you you were throwing out a newsletter about overseas security yeah I just uh, just sent it out uh, was it last night or the night before? It's the night before. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our company, ABR Defense, um, we focus on uh, physical security consulting. We've got a contract with Philips North America right now that I'm, I've am i been actively working on. Um, Mike and Jake both live out of state, and it's hard to get their time, but they've been involved as well. When you say Philips, are you talking about like the people that make those electric razors? Yes, oh, Philips. Nice. Philips. The Philips, yes. They make a lot of stuff. They make light bulbs. They make right. defibrillators. They make medical equipment. They they make light bulbs. I mean, toothbrushes, right? The Philips toothbrushes. They make those too. Right. Big company. Um, but uh, yeah, we we just uh, we just secured a contract with them up here in Bothell recently. Bothell, Utah? Uh, no, Washington. Washington. I just don't remember where Bothell is, <laughs> and I was stationed up there. What a fool. Uh, yeah, you'd have been up in uh, you'd have, you'd have been up in the northern part of the state if you were here in the ar- with the army. Right? I was Fort Lewis. I was just south of Seattle. Fort Lewis. Yeah, just. Oh, were you? Yeah, just forty-five okay. minutes south of Seattle. Fort Lewis. Five. Um, was that uh, was that before you deployed? You came up here before deployment, right? So, like, I got stationed there, so I was there before deployment, and then after deployment as well. Yeah. You come back to your same duty station. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, with that big of a contract, like, what has that done with AVR Defense? Well, recently it's been slow because they're a large company and there's a lot of paperwork that has to happen and um, you know movement I mean there's a lot of bureaucracy in a large company like that right I've been I've been working with them on um, smaller uh, smaller projects like you know active shooter training and stuff like that site access security protocols um, helping them understand you know their weak and strong points in just physical security as a in a holistic sense. So when you're talking security um, protocols, are you talking about like carting into a room or? Um, it's kind of just everything. So, okay. So you were in the army, right? So, so FM, FM 3.9 dash one zero, the, uh, department of the army's physical security field manual. That's the approach that we take to security when talking to companies about, you know, active shooters or whatever the case may be. You look at security from an installation perspective as like you would as a for a military compound, right? So you've got like your four, your four pillars of physical security, which are how well you deter a threat, how quick you detect a threat, how well you defend against a threat, and how quick you can defeat a threat in that order. Right. Right. So, so when we talk about, when we talk about physical security from an active shooter perspective, we kind of, we kind of paint it like that. How capable is your organization with these four aspects of security? And you analyze and, and break down and test the capability of those four elements. 
And it really helps the organization understand, okay, we weren't just, we weren't looking at this the right way because we're talking about like, it's already happened. Like, how do we respond? Right. If you're looking at it like that, you're, you're already behind the the eight ball, right? You're behind the curve, the power curve. Right. You want to be proactive. You You don't want to be reactive. Exactly. Exactly. So, so getting people's, uh, getting people's perspective to change on how they deal with it is like part of like what we do. I think that's kind of unique. Um, I don't know of any other company right now that, that sells, you know, security consulting in that manner. And so you would go into like this boardroom with these people or do you just speak directly to their head of security? Yeah. So, uh, Phillips, for example, we'll call her Jane. Uh, Jane is the physical security vice president of Phillips North America. She's the one that I've been interfacing with, uh, at a corporate level. To, to do all of this at the facility in Bothell, they have like an EHS, which is an emergency health and safety director that like works on site at Bothell. They have one of these at each of their facilities and I've been working with her as well. But yeah, you know, the one that's calling the shots for Phillips North America when it comes to physical security is this individual called Jane. <laughs> she's been she's been the main point of contact for the company. Well, that's good. So then you've got this awesome point of contact that you're able to work well with. And I mean, I'm assuming that Jane also understands the liabilities here of what the possibilities are and everything like that. So when you guys are going over your physical security protocols, are you talking about, okay, you've got somebody that shot their way in through the gate or are you more or less talking about somebody that is already within the building like an employee. Yeah, I mean the part of these part of these discussions that we've had have been the circle together, hold hands and come to Jesus meeting, right? A lot of a lot of companies don't address this the right way. The reality is that like a lot of people that do this stuff at work are employees and they do have access. So your ability to deter and detect, which are the first two pieces of that, um, usually is just thrown out the window by sheer will alone. Somebody that wants to do it is going to come in and do it. And even if they're not an employee, right? Like you, like you mentioned, shooting your way in, right? What's what's to stop an individual from holding somebody at gunpoint outside and taking their badge? Right. I mean, if you really want to, if if they really want to do it, they're probably going to do it. Well, that's so what I tell everybody, like, if they really want to, they'll figure out a way. Yeah, yeah. Sheer will alone defeats those first two pieces of security. Um, well, you know, and that's evidenced in recent events. And while we're on that topic, actually, uh, since you also deal with statistics here, what is the true statistic of an employee taking up arms in their business? <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Here's the thing is that uh, a lot of companies like Philips, for example, are really interested in dealing with workplace violence, right? But the odds of it actually happening are really slim. <laughs> I feel, uh, it's I feel just, like it would kind of depend on your environment as well, right? Like your oh, yeah, absolutely. environment. Like if it's miserable, you have a higher chance of it happening. And if it's kind of light and breezy, then you have a less chance of it happening. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, but but then you know you'd you'd ask yourself like you know defi- define misery and where that comes from. Um, 
maybe an employee that does something like that doesn't exactly have an issue with somebody or something at work, but maybe there's like some personal things going on that make mm. them feel like they need to lash out. And there's, there's not a whole lot of information as to why people do this. Well, um, um, and I, I don't mean to like try and put cattle to humans, uh, but there is a scientist out there that is like renowned in the beef industry that actually went through the shoots that cattle go through to go into a slaughterhouse to find out what is stressful and what is not. And um, I'm, I'm going to compare. The stressful thing on cattle were like chains dangling in, stuff coming in from outside, stuff moving around on the outside of the chute, uh, random light rays coming in. Um, they found out that pressure helps calm them, so they like get a little bit of a squeeze on their way through the chute and it kind of like calms them down. Um, as a human aspect of it, I'm sure there is some sort of scientific research out there that would show that, you know, like dimly lit places or poorly lit places can cause depression. Uh, lack of being able to see the outdoors causes depression. Oh, yeah. Dark, dark uh, interior colors or too bright of interior colors can uh, either cause depression or amplify the senses to where it just kind of burns them out and stuff like that. So there's got to, and then if you bring in some outside life stuff like, Oh, you know, you're not getting enough time with your family because you're working too many hours and they keep you there for these weird off the wall hours, then bringing that into work as well. Um, yeah, no, that's probably a factor. Does, sure. does Phillips factor all that into like, how can they make it? Uh, it is better for their employees to where they don't get into that state of mind where they just want to wreck, um, wreck house. You know, that's actually not something that we've talked about as a, as a solution, or I guess like proactive measure. Phillips is very big on family though, and making sure that, you know, people that, people that are working for them are happy with their home life before they prioritize work. Okay. Right. Uh, they're, they're very, they're very vocal about that, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there would be enough information. I mean, there may be, I, I haven't looked into it. I, I don't know if there's enough information out there to, to draw a correlation between somebody's work environment and their likelihood to come in and, you know, fucking blow everybody away. <laughs> right. Um, there would have to be some pretty thorough studies that, that happened to, to draw that conclusion. And the unfortunate thing is that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not totally unfortunate, but it would be nice if like when this stuff happens, somebody could sit down and really analyze the individual. And I mean, everybody's response is like, yes, like hang this guy in the middle of the streets, you know, but I think that what needs to happen to really prevent this kind of stuff going forward, they never have somebody sit in their desk chair and like look around and be like, okay, yeah, you know, or well, go and, and talk to the family and find out what was going on in their personal life. Yeah, or like talk to the individual. I mean, they they usually end up getting blown away, you know, by the police or like first responders, which you know needs to happen because that's the situation, right? Somebody's actively killing somebody. You got to put a stop to it, and the only way to st- put a stop to it is, you know, obviously not to tase them, right, and bring them in in handcuffs. So just kind of how it shakes out. But to really understand why people are doing this and what's what What's driving them and their their motivation to, to do this kind of stuff? You, you really have to like sit down and break them down psychologically. So, do, um, does your company actually sit there and, and read through some psychological documents to be able to formulate some sort of plan? 
I I have I I've I've looked at a lot of uh, a lot of information reports on you know various active shooters that have you know surfaced recently or over the last few years. There's really not a whole lot of information there to be honest. The only thing that the only thing that does come up in every one of these scenarios is that the person has has some kind of you know mental illness you know they're on drugs or you know something like that they've they've had a history of like mental mental illness um but like what actually triggers them it's it's not like information is just not there like you know they just they flip a switch suddenly and all of a sudden they're out you know shooting their classmates or whatever right well okay so phillips is obviously on board with your guys's with AVR defenses discussions and trying to proactively respond to situations that haven't arose yet. And Mm -hmm. you're just prepping for a situation like that, that does arise. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of the discussions that we've had with them have been over logistics, right. Um, dealing with local law enforcement, how fast they respond, supplies, materials, right. Worst case scenario, like, you know, a hundred people got, you know, sucking chest wounds that, you know, after some incident happens, one of the discussions we had with them just recently was that, uh, okay, I, I get that you guys are working with various law enforcement agencies in the area. However, the Bothell Police Department will be here quick. They'll be here within a couple of minutes. Surrounding police departments, let's say this is a bigger incident and you need the help of first responders of neighboring cities like Kirkland and Everett and Woodenville, right? You've got all these other surrounding agencies. How long is it going to take them to get here? Right. How long is it going to take them to allocate resources to a situation up here, up north of them? And when that happens, I think um, it just kind of depend on how far the drive is from that location. Like could be well, what, 15, 20 minutes, could be 45. Yeah. Well, well, my point was that, you know, if somebody gets shot in the chest or they're, you know, they're bleeding out at a rapid rate. Um, do you guys have supplies on hand to be first responders yourselves? Hmm. Right. Do you have, yeah. do you have tourniquets, uh, you know, People chest know use them properly. Exactly. So like, do we want to go talk to red cross or whoever the hell and get employees trained? Or at the very least, do you want to have extra supplies on hand for those people that show up first? Right. Bothell, they may not have a hundred tourniquets in their, in their ambulance. Right. Or they may not have a hundred tourniquets in the back of a squad car. That's just not going to happen. So at the very least, giving them the supplies to, to handle a, a larger situation may save a lot of people's lives, you know? So these are things that like a lot of companies don't consider like, Oh yeah. Like actual triage. Like what is that going to look like logistically? If there is some big event that happens now, what if they went through a third party to have them like on retainer? They, well, I, I can't. Okay. So I, I can't talk about their actual protocols that they have in place, but they do have, they do have some, some other resources that are, that are available to them. Well, then we'll just leave that at that. So what drove you to start AVR defense? I remember you were talking about it a while ago, uh, about (laughs) starting a defense group and running it out of Utah. It's kind of funny because Mike, who's one of the co-owners of the company, uh, late last year around this time, he started working for NSA, in Monterey, uh, naval support activities in Monterey as a law enforcement officer. When he moved down there, it was just kind of it was just kind of funny. Like he he texted me and Jake and this other guy Dave randomly one day on 
on Facebook and said, Hey, we should start a company like Brock will do this. Jake, you can do this. I'll do this. Dave can do this. You know, we kind of like laughed about it, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, it's actually not a bad idea. I can, I can handle that. Absolutely. So I, I wrote up a quick slide presentation about, you know, our capability and what we do and um, sent it back to him and said, hey, what do you guys think of this? I remember that <laughs> Mike was like, presentation. You sent it to me too. Yeah, I did. And Mike responded. Mike and Jake both responded. They were just like, wow, that's actually like really good. Like we need to think of a, a business name though because there was nothing on it. And that didn't come until recent. Um, it's been materializing for a while and it was just started based off of kind of a joke and idea. <laughs> Mike was just like, oh, let's do this. And I was like, yep, let's do it. So I put everything together. And back in back in May was when it formally got started. Now, what, is, know, what does AVR stand for? Uh, it's an acronym for Alert, Vigilant, and Ready. Jesus, man. I've, you started this company. Now you've got a big, fat, freaking contract on your hands. And I'm hoping that it helps open doors to get bigger contracts down the road to where you can hire more and more people. What does the outlook look like for that? I mean, I know you're working and everybody's working, but what do you think it's going to be like when none of you are now working for somebody else? You're all working for each other. I mean, inevitably, that's going to happen. The thing is now is that because Philips is such a big company, we're either going to keep doing work for them for several years or this will be like a one and done kind of thing. And now we've got Philips Philips <laughs> on our portfolio as our first client. Yeah, that's, that's a, a huge, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's not and like, guys, oh, some local elementary school. No, Phillips, America. No, it is, <laughs> it is one of the largest companies on the planet. That and could, again, like I said, trickle it's a Phillips Europe or Phillips Asia or, you know, anything like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, a big, they're a big global company. So I don't know, like, I don't know what's going to happen with them specifically, but, like, it, it's looking like our path is inevitable. This is going to materialize into something much bigger than than us like then we're able to handle right i mean i'm i don't live too much in the future but the plan eventually is going to be like hiring other individuals to do this work for us so we don't have to work <laughs> right and and you could just basically be the face of your company at that point exactly and i guess i kind of already am because i'm the one that's always you know posting videos and things up on social media and writing all of our newsletters you know i'm i've been doing all of that everything on our website i've done personally and had a hand in and Mike and Jake have weighed in and given their input and it's been solid. But for the most part, it's just like, Hey, first pass here it is. What do you guys think? And they're like, yep, looks good. Put it up. And that's kind of how we've been doing things. Cause one, I have, I have the bandwidth to do it. So it makes sense for me to do it. And I guess I'm kind of the more gifted writer of our group. <laughs> well, that's absolutely amazing to see it coming up from what it was. And from the start, I remember you were asking me about the business cards and I was like, well, that's a little much on that. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Like, you might want to take you know, this kinda, here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, I haven't even printed any business cards. <laughs> I haven't given a business card out to anybody. <laughs> you the may, most that I may not need to ever. <laughs> I know. That's the thing that's kind of funny. Like it may not be a need, you know, anybody that I meet and I talk to, I talk about the business with, I'm just, you know, here's our, here's our website. Here's a, here's an article or something. You guys can, you can check it out and I get their email address and you know, they're on our, they're on our mailing list. I think that that's kind of like a more modern solution too, is like, you know, when you and I were talking about the business cards, you mentioned, I had all these ideas in my head about how I wanted the business card to look. 
but what I wasn't thinking about, and I think a lot of people don't think about now is like, what do you want a business card to do? You want it to attract attention to your business and the mechanisms for doing that. It may be somebody click in a link or typing in a, 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 you know, an address on their, on their browser. But I think going forward, if I was to ever make a business card for the company and I'm legitimately considering maybe not doing it because we won't, maybe we won't need to, it's going to be like a modern spin on, on a business card. There will be some kind of technological interaction with it, like an NFC chip, or maybe I'll just make one and keep it for myself and you know, hey, let me see your phone, scan your the back of your phone, and it takes you to the website or takes you somewhere else. That's actually already out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, but, there's you know, a, a business card out there called Blue, and okay, it is specifically for just tapping to the back of a phone, and boom, all your information loads up onto their phone. The yeah, website, cool. your email, uh, your name, your, your phone number your email, all that stuff. It just instantly, boom, it's in their contacts. And that's that's actually great, though, to move with time. A lot of people go, okay, well, we don't want to do this because we don't know if it's going to be a thing. But if you fail to adapt to the technology that is today, you're going to fail as a company. That is absolutely true. Um, you know, and I had, I had somebody give me a business card the other day, and I looked at it for a second, and I just had this quick, you know, asshole thought in my head, like this business card sucks for one, <laughs> but I, you know, but then I, I walked out, I walked out and just tossed it in the trash, <laughs> you know, I, like all my business cards, I try to have it be kind of cool, whether it's got a different texture or anything like yeah. a brutally honest business card was matte. And you could feel the difference in the, your regular crappy, glossy, whatever, and it had yeah. like kind of raised the lettering. It was a cool little gift business card. Yeah, you did a you did a badass job on that. Actually, I appreciate that. Was a cool that. Business card. And then my new business card for Redwood Productions is like cardboard cardstock. You know what I mean? Like right. you you can feel the roughness of the paper, and it's got this really cool, elegant design on it, and everything like that. It really captures the eye and the in the touch. And I, yeah. I, See, that's why that's why I called you to ask about business cards. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people fail to make their business card even aesthetically pleasing. It's just like, oh, here's mm -hmm. my name. It's a white card, just like every other freaking business card out there, and it ends up in right. the trash ninety nine percent. Or they the cram a bunch of information. Yeah, all yeah, on exactly. One side. Or they cram a bunch of information on it, and they have their picture there, and it's like, I don't want to stare at your face when I'm going through my wallet, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Uh, the coolest business card I've ever had the honor of having in my hands was one from a whiskey joint out in San Francisco called Cask, and it was mm. actual wood, and all the information really? was burned onto the wood. I thought that That's was super cool. cool. Like, you could yeah. break it in half. It was pine or cedar or something like that, but it was real wood. And I was yeah, just like, that's so awesome. crazy. But anyway, yeah, business cards are starting to get phased out unless you're able to do something with it that makes it different than your typical, I'm a freaking finance guy business card. Right. You know, where you're peddling your name to everybody you meet. And to those people, a business card means importance. Oh, my company made these for me. You know, I'm, I'm important mm -hmm. now. It says, you know, Joe Smith, finance dude, just like every freaking buddy else in the city that's in finance or technology or something like that. It's so boring. Everybody in San Francisco is boring. I'm sorry. 
They're all in <laughs> finance or tech. Yeah. Don't get me started on San Francisco right yeah. now, dude. <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on San Francisco. You want to you talk about politics? This this episode will go another hour. Nope, we're not going to do that. This is <laughs> maybe maybe when somebody else starts a uh, a podcast under the Redwood Productions name, then and it's political, then they can have you on to talk politics. That would be interesting. But uh, no, I mean, like you've you've made quite the advancement from when i met you 2016 yeah so three years coming up on four years and you're just leaps and bounds and you're just making these great advancements in life where when i met you you were staying at this airbnb in menlo park and sharing a room with like eight other people and now you're like up in washington and you're making better money and you're doing better things and and you're in utah and you've got a house out there and it's amazing always, to see, always moving. It's, it's amazing to see what you've done and where you've gone from when I met you the first time. Oh, I appreciate that. Just staying busy, you know, doing work. And you know what? I was talking to my girlfriend about that too, about how if I sleep in, I feel like I wasted the whole freaking day away. And she goes, <laughs> uh, "Yo, you have to sleep in sometimes. Like you just have to relax." And I go, "Well, when I wake up at ten thirty, eleven o'clock, the whole day's gone." You know, I feel like I've done nothing that day. And she goes, well, sometimes you have to do that. You can't be go, 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 go. I was like, yeah, I can. And she goes, no, you have to relax. I said, I could relax in five years when I'm successful as hell. Well, yeah. here's the thing on that, because because I certainly like to sleep in. Obviously not on days where I'm, I'm working. I, I get up and go to work. But on the weekends, yeah, I'll sleep in. But see, the thing is, though, I think it's about, I think it's more about like what you do with your time when you're awake. Like if I, if I go to bed at 3 a.m. and get up at 10 a.m. But that whole time I was awake, I was doing work or doing something, right? I mean, your your effectiveness at being productive is still the same, right? It's because um, I've I've stayed up burning the burning the candle on both ends, you know, working or doing whatever. And you know, I'm I'm not particularly a morning person, <laughs> but I can be if if I need if I need to be. But I don't think that like you know. So that example of you wasting your day, I think it just depends on what you do with your time when you're actually awake well it's like arnold schwarzenegger said you got 24 hours in the day and you spend four to seven hours sleeping how many more hours do you have for the rest of your day you can fill that up with doing stuff he goes you can't stand around with your hands in your pockets because you can't climb the ladder with no hands exactly that that resonated with me a lot especially when i was a bodybuilder because like when i was bodybuilding it was I'd sleep for four hours and I'd wake up and I'd go to the gym and then I'd go to work and I'd make my money and I'd eat and everything like that. And then I'd come out of work and go back to the gym and then I'd eat some more and then I'd sleep for four hours and do it all over again. You know what I mean? And that was, (laughs) I burned myself out essentially like 30 years old and I haven't been to the gym in like six months except for a couple of times now. And I think I just burned myself out on that whole thing. But at the same time too, it's like now I'm, if I'm not up at 630, I feel like even before class, you know, my class starts at 10. I still want to be up at 630. I could still do yeah. something. I yep. could knock out something for class or prep for whatever. But at the same time, too, it, it does fall into this morning, for example. Watch the series premiere of Rick and Morty with my girlfriend. And again, she's so amazing. So we took a nap then got up at 1130 just to watch that (laughs) went to bed and i had a hell of a time falling asleep i don't know why i just had a hell of a time falling asleep and i think it was more or less that i was excited for you know today and i know this episode is going to come out like way after the other episodes and people are gonna be like the series premiere of rick and morty came out like five weeks ago um (laughs) 
But so today I just, I couldn't fall asleep. And then I woke up at 5.30 and drove home and got everything ready for the podcast recording. And then, and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> like I'm upset. And then we got yeah. recording and everything like that. And now I feel like the whole day isn't a waste. Yeah. You got something done, accomplished. Yeah. I mean, like, I understand that. essentially, we're just talking and I'm recording it. But tomorrow after class, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be here chopping up and editing and throwing the intro and the outro in and all this other stuff and getting certain things out of there, bleeping out names and um, not bleeping out swear words because I've got a disclaimer at the beginning. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's one of those things. And that takes a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. That takes a really long time. So. I'm actually going to find a new intro song for your episodes and then have to chop that up. And so like uh, Dane Bars' episodes have their intro. I want to get a different intro for your episodes because, I mean, you guys are not the same people. As long as it's Iron Maiden. Yeah, I can't do that because I don't have the rights to that. So, no. (laughs) (laughs) But it is definitely going to be rock-based. But it's the point of the matter is I, I feel more accomplished doing something and get I, I might start working on it before class go to class come back after class and then keep working on it just so i could say oh, i did something when i woke up at five thirty or 6 right, right. and i had right. three hours to burn now do you do you typically get up early yeah i get up early oh, every day yeah I'm, I'm, you and every other you and every other person i know who's in the military <laughs> well there was a period of time where i didn't there was a period of time where i would sleep till 12 one o'clock in the afternoon right but after you know going oh i'm gonna do this with redwood productions now i'm up at 5 30 every day trying to figure out okay yeah. Yeah. i need to get a guest i've got i'm coming up on a last episode that i had in the bank and i need to get a guest on here now so i can record and have four weeks to find another guest and do all this other stuff and if i'm able to find a guest earlier great awesome if right. not right. i mean like i gotta go and thank god you came in and we're like yeah dude i'm totally down for that because the last episode of dane bart's went up today which for those listening to this episode four weeks from now, that is Veterans Day, November 11th, that Dane Bart's third episode went up. So it was just one of those things that I'm just so happy that you were cool with coming on and talking with me. No, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate the uh, the interest. <laughs> oh, you know? You're an interesting guy. You always have been. <laughs> so... Like I said, the first day I saw you, I was like, this dude's got to be a terrorist. Beard like that. No mustache. It's all shaved off. Who sent you? Who sent you? Why are you here? I was I was all sketch, too. Because it was like, I'm the only veteran in here, and there's a terrorist here now. And this is creepy. This is weirding me out. <laughs> Especially yeah. like in Menlo Park, of all places. And then you ended up being just as, yeah. if not a smidge more, or a smidge less. America and me. Yeah, <laughs> love my country, man. Yeah, I, I think we both love the hell of our country. It's a land yes, of sir. opportunity, and you've proven that with AVR Defense. It's a land where you can do anything you want as long as you put in the fucking work. Exactly. That's all there is to it. Everybody is equal opportunity in this nation, but the difference between people who are successful and people who are not are those that actually get up and put in the work. Like yourself, you're getting up at 530 every morning trying to figure out how you're going to 
get guests and like run your business and stuff like you're not going to get anywhere unless you do that right you how know, am i going to get sponsors that. how am i going to prove to these people that i've got listeners and how am i going to get more listeners and like how much money do i need to put into an ad to get more people that just even see the facebook page or anything like that it's yeah it's rough and yeah so do you want to plug avr defense sure we're we're on instagram avr defense is the handle and then our website is avrdefense.com uh, lots of good information videos you can see my ugly mug up there and yeah that's it we're pretty new and you can find us on on those social media pages our, our main website has down at the bottom you can scroll down and find us on uh, youtube and twitter as well awesome so well again dude thank you for coming on i know we probably ran over a little bit of time here uh clearly because like, <laughs> even i went on a tangent i feel like i talk more in the last episode than i do the the main episodes um, <laughs> but then again you know the main episodes are more of a interview yeah um but yeah no again thanks for coming on here thanks for answering questions and thanks for talking about your new business and hopefully something comes out of this if it does that's awesome if it doesn't it doesn't and i mean hell i might even have you on again in the future yeah check in with me like a year from now or something (laughs) something. somewhere down the line something big is gonna happen and you're gonna tell me about it i'm like okay so we're gonna do a podcast episode all right probably (laughs) well again everybody can go to avrdefense.com you can get them at instagram it's at avrdefense we've got here brock tovar what would your title be with avrdefense co-owner instructor that's what we've we've all given ourselves that title so we've got brock tovar co-owner instructor at avr defense and uh all around smart guy all around motivated man and i'm hoping that everybody enjoy learning a little bit about you and kind of what moved you forward in life and kind of shaped you into the human that you are today Um, hope so too again thank you brock for coming on the show i really appreciate that i appreciate the opportunity man awesome so in uh a future episode we could always talk about it